Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. In today's episode, it's a little bit special. We'll be talking not only about the show, but a little bit about ourselves and how we started the show. Normally, we talk about who our guest is on this show. Well, this week, we're the guests, and Sonia Usach Kuhn, host of North Carolina Radio Reading Services Community Connections podcast, is the host, and she interviewed us for her show and then generously offered to let us use the audio for our show. But first, for the tip of the week. This week's tip is... If you want to hear other episodes talking about our show, Eyes on Success, or ourselves, enter EOS underscore show into the search field on our website at www.eyesonsuccess.net. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success. Let's start by hearing the beginning of Sonia's show in which she introduced us as her guests. The content of this program is intended for people who are blind and print impaired. Hello, I'm Sonia Yusech Kuhn of the North Carolina Reading Service. Welcome to another edition of Community Connections. Every month, we will introduce you to people in the community who are making a difference. Our guests today are unique. They are Nancy Goodman Torpe and Peter Torpe, our first married couple. So let me introduce each of you to our audience. Nancy Goodman Torpe is a retired research physicist and along with Peter Torpe co-hosts and co-produced Eyes on Success, a weekly half-hour audio show about products, services, and other items of interest to people with vision loss or other print impairment. Nancy grew up on Long Island, got her undergraduate degree with honors in astronomy and physics at Bryn Mawr College, and her Ph.D. in physics at the University of Chicago. Nancy spent her career in corporate research at Xerox Corporation in Rochester, New York. She holds 16 patents, including two jointly with Peter. She is fully sighted. And now Peter. Peter Torpy was born with congenital glaucoma in the early 1950s and attended a school for the blind through fifth grade. Despite many eye surgeries, he maintained enough vision to be able to read by holding printed material just inches from his face and did not use any mobility aids. Fortunately, his parents taught him to read and write print since he was later mainstreamed through high school. 
Peter always enjoyed science and math as a youth and went on to graduate Phi Beta Kappa from Union College with a B.S. in physics. The week after graduation, however, yet another surgical procedure left Peter totally blind. Determined to take advantage of a fellowship that he was awarded to attend graduate school at the University of Virginia, Peter spent the following summer relearning his Braille skills, as well as learning to navigate with a cane for the first time. Over the next months, Peter's vision cleared somewhat, and he was able to make use of a CCTV-recorded books from what was then Recordings for the Blind, Now Learning Ally. Peter's colleagues helped him by recording chapters of his textbooks until they were available from Recordings for the Blind. And Peter graduated with a Ph.D. in engineering physics. Well, now here's the interesting part. (laughs) After graduate school, Peter joined Xerox Corporation's research center in Rochester, New York, where he developed computer models for next-generation printers, He holds 20 patents. A week after arriving at Xerox, Nancy met Peter Torpe. They actually first met socially as part of an American tradition dance group known as Contradancing. Coincidentally, wound up working closely at Xerox and riding in the same carpool until they were married the next year. 38 years later, they have two adult children and two grandchildren. They no longer contradance, but they share many other common interests and stay active, walking and hiking around their home in Golden, Colorado, at the foot of the Rocky Mountains, socializing with friends and traveling, and Nancy enjoys gourmet vegetarian cooking. Peter has also enjoyed playing, writing, and listening to music through the years. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is excerpted from Sonia Usach Kuhn's interview of us as aired on Community Connections. So welcome, Nancy and Peter. We are delighted that you can join us and share your exceptional professionalism, talents, and skills with our listeners. Thank you. We look forward to it. Okay. Now, since you've been married for 38 years, did you encounter any particular obstacles due to the blindness and used humor to get through it? We use humor to get through pretty much everything. The first obstacle was when I told my parents I wanted to marry Pete. And my mom said, why would you want to marry a blind man? So we we get some of that. But once they get to know him, they learn he's actually a pretty good guy. He must be. Well, you know, I think interestingly, Nancy is very organized and very careful about where she places things and very considerate of my situation. And she rolls with it very well. So we get along very well in that regard. All right. Let us continue with the fascinating subject of physics, of which I know nothing. What was it for each of you that attracted you to physics? You know, when I was young, I was always playing mathematical games and puzzles. My dad had a background in chemistry, so he 
I wouldn't say pushed me into those things, but, you know, he was always available to answer questions. And I consider myself very lucky that as I continued having that fun doing mathematical games and puzzles, eventually I was employed to do that. So someone actually paid me to have that kind of enjoyment. Oh, absolutely. And and my interest stemmed from much the same thing. You know, as a kid, I was fascinated by mathematics, you know, starting with arithmetic, because in grade school, what kind of mathematics do you do? And eventually the mathematics got a little too abstract for my tastes, and physics is applying mathematics to understanding the real world. You know, why do things behave the way they do? And we both loved our jobs. We had so much fun exploring new concepts and and working out the details. There are some laws in physics, aren't there? Well, you know... That's what I thought made physics easy. When I think of learning history and you have to memorize all these dates and names and events, there's a lot to memorize and a lot to know. When I think of learning physics, basically you start out with F equals MA, one of the simplest equations, and you can derive so much of physics from just a couple of equations. Well, what does that mean, F equals MA? So it was Isaac Newton in the 1600s or so, you know, said force equals mass times acceleration. If you push on something, it's going to move proportional to its mass. And just knowing a few simple things and having the tools of mathematics, it's incredible how much of the world you can describe and investigate. And it really makes it kind of fun. It's like unraveling a puzzle. You feel like you're learning all the time. Is it something like what goes up must come down? Well, exactly. So the force equals mass times acceleration. If you have an object that has a certain mass or more colloquially weight, although they're not identical properties, if you know all of the forces acting on that object, that's all the Fs, you can figure out where it's going to go and how fast. And and that's kind of the A. So what goes up must come down is exactly that. You throw up an object and gravity is acting on it and it comes Look back at that. down. I know physics. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Who thought I would be learning that today? Well, thank you. So in other words, if I put my foot on the accelerator when the car is turned on and I push down on the pedal, it's going to go. I hope so. That's right. Well, you know, what's interesting is there is so much physics and technology involved in today's world and everyday things. And, you know, we've never said that everybody has to be a physicist or a scientist. But if you think of the technology that we're involved with every day, having an appreciation of what goes into that and how it works is really kind of helpful. I guess so. I'm not very technical. <laughs> I'm, not, um, I'm, not, I'm not labeled a techie in any sense of the word. I can work my phone and my computer, and um, that's about it. Not everybody needs to be able to design the next generation computer. Exactly. I'm going to leave that to you. (laughs) So now let me speak with uh, Peter here. Peter, you were fortunate to have colleagues who helped you in school and a company who actually hired you. Have you found that many opportunities exist now for folks with vision loss or other disabilities? Well, you know, I came through life as one blind individual. And 
it's hard to know is my experience representative or not. I suspect for some people it is not. When you hear about the difficulty that visually impaired people have of finding jobs and getting jobs, getting an education. On the other hand, we've interviewed many people on our show who are blind and have very rewarding professional careers. So I can speak only as one individual. And I have really not run into that many obstacles in my education or my career. I've found most people were generally very supportive of my aspirations and what I wanted to do at work if I needed help doing a particular task. People were always eager and willing to jump in. And maybe part of that is how I approach my interactions with people. My blindness to me is just another aspect of my life. It's like So I'm blind. Some people run slow. Some people can jump high. Some people can read fast. I just happen to be blind, you know, and uh, I've always considered it kind of natural. I try to make people feel comfortable about it. As you mentioned at the beginning, use a little bit of humor to break the ice sometimes. And I've had very few uh, barriers to overcome in that regard. Well, just from speaking to you, um, I can tell from your personality that you are that type of person who goes ahead with their life despite the situation that you found yourself in and didn't make it a focus. So therefore, you succeeded. Pete is very much of a can-do guy. Well, I always think if there's a challenge and if there's something you want to do, if you have the motivation, there are ways to work things out. I may not do certain tasks the same way other people do them, but considering that there are a variety of approaches to solving any problem, you find the one that works best for you, and you go ahead and do it. And maybe you learn some tools that you might need to accomplish the task. Right. So, Nancy, you agree with his um, analysis of himself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there are a few things that he won't do. He won't drive a car and he won't use power tools. But we've spoken with blind people who do that too and, you know, try to do it in a safe a manner as possible. And if it's something they're really motivated to keep doing, they manage to figure out a way to get it done. Well, it's interesting what you say about driving a car. Um, That sounds a little dangerous if you can't keep your eye on the road. That's something I'm not willing to try. I've had several friends through the years tell me, come on, Pete, just just hop in the car. We'll, we'll go in some field. We'll go in a parking lot. No problem. Let's, let's just have fun with it. And, you know, I think too many people have seen that movie Scent of a Woman, and they think it's easy and risk-free. And I just have never been willing to go along with that. Um, I'm, I'm kind of glad there are more people like you who don't want to do this. So let's talk now about the genesis of Eyes on Success. The idea for a radio show was suggested. Now, please tell our audience how you went about to create it and some of the things you feature, like you already said you interviewed blind professionals. Um, Take it away, both of you. So conveniently, the last episode of 2021, which just aired at the end of December, we spent the entire episode talking about how we make the show. So for anybody who wants to know the nitty gritty of everything we do, from selecting topics, finding people to interview, through doing the interview, recording the interview, processing the interview, 
maintaining the website, distributing the show. Trust me, that filled the whole half an hour. Um, so we're not going to go through that now. No, but how did you form the idea of what you were going to do? I was a volunteer reader for our local radio reading service for a couple of years. And one day the director of the local radio reading service approached me when I was there for my regular half hour reading session. And she said, you know, between you and Pete, you know an awful lot about access technology and you both like to talk, which I did not take as an insult. No, that's um, a compliment. Why don't you make a show? And so the original suggestion was to read items that we found in various um, publications and then comment on it. And the problem with that was Pete learned Braille as a kid, but he's frankly not that great of a Braille reader. So I was going to end up doing most of the talking and he's got most of the knowledge. And we thought that wasn't the right mix. So... We started just doing shows where we talked about various topics, and uh, after some not very large number of those, we said, well, geez, you know, there must be other people who are more knowledgeable than us out there, and we'll be able to cover more topics. So it kind of evolved into an interview format. And although we started doing it in the studios of our local public radio station, eventually we started doing it in our own home studio. I mean... Doing a podcast from home is pretty simple these days. The equipment is not too expensive. You can buy some decent microphones and an audio interface. Uh, the audio production software is pretty readily available to people. And so that's how we continue doing the show. So that's great. That was a wonderful answer. So, well, Peter, have you used and do you still use any devices and could you elaborate on this most important piece of information for our listeners? Well, I've used a variety of devices, probably almost every device you could think of throughout my education and career. As you pointed out, I was born with congenital glaucoma. I was able to hold the book just a few inches from my nose. But by the time I went to graduate school, I had some surgery that left me totally blind. So I started out early in school. I went to a school for the blind and I learned Braille, but eventually I transitioned to a public school, and to see the blackboard, I had a little handheld telescope that I used. And then other than that, I mostly just looked very close with my nose at any piece of paper that I was using. When I went to graduate school and I lost most of my vision, it finally cleared up. I was able to use a CCTV, a closed-circuit TV system, as you pointed out, so it would blow up print with lots of contrast, uh, probably several inches high, and I was able to do my work that way. Eventually, I started using speech synthesizers back in the early 80s. Boy, were they tough to understand. These days, they're, they're really wonderful. And then eventually, people developed Braille displays, which was fortunate because my sight was getting worse, and I couldn't use my CCTV anymore. So I used several refreshable Braille displays, like the Versa Braille, if people are familiar with that, and uh, a number of other Braille displays uh, throughout Xerox, as they'd wear out. Xerox would buy me new ones. I had one of the original Kurzweil reading machines, because Xerox owned the Kurzweil system at the time. This was a $30,000 reading machine that was as big as a little washing machine that was on in my office, and it would take like 
two or three minutes just to read a page and get most of it wrong. These days, I use an app called Seeing AI or KNFB Reader, and some of these are free apps that'll just snap a picture of something with your phone and read it back to you. So it's incredible to see how far that technology has come along. Well, that is that is amazing. Um, is there something that Apple developed? I use the iPhone, and you know, I the iPhone is very accessible to people with vision problems. If you're low vision, they have magnification and zoom built built in. Uh, you can change the color of the display if you're sensitive to different colors and different contrasts. But I use the voice features, voiceover. Um, you know, similar capabilities are also available in Android phones these days. But everything on my phone talks to me. I can do anything that any sighted person can do on the phone. The Internet, my email, calendars, etc. And as I said, the phone has extra capabilities being able to point your camera at a document and have it automatically read it back to you. These days on the iPhone, you can point your camera in a room and it will describe what's in the room. There's a desk, there's a chair, there's a bookshelf, which is an amazing capability if you think of it for blind people. It is amazing. It is amazing. And, you know, even for somebody like me, I've got really good distance vision now that I've had my cataracts fixed. Um, but the same thing that caused me to have cataracts made me old enough so I need reading glasses, but I don't need vision glasses. So I will sometimes go out without glasses and then I have to read a menu. Well, I've always got my telephone with me. I can use the flashlight to get extra lighting on whatever I'm trying to read. That's a big help. I can use the camera app or the magnifying glass app and magnify what I'm trying to read. And so even for people who don't consider themselves visually impaired, and I certainly do not, um, these smartphones have capabilities that can make make it easier for everybody. So um, 25 years ago, a lot of this did not exist. So it's the miracle of technology that is making life easier for people with, whether it's blindness or other uh, disabilities. Yes. And I want to point out that as much as I enjoy technology and I believe technology is helpful, particularly for people who have some kind of impairment. There are a lot of low-tech solutions. Many people are afraid of technology. I use rubber bands on pill bottles to identify them. I locate things in different parts of the house. We put little dots. It's not even Braille, just a dot on our washing machine so I know where to turn the dial to start the wash. So there are many low-tech solutions that, if people think about it, can be very helpful in their daily lives. Well, I'm glad you were able to share that with our listeners. So there's an app called Project Guideline that recently aired on your show, and I think it helps people to um, uh, take a hike or take a walk by themselves. Is that true? So this is actually something that's still in the development phase. Um, it's a project out of Google where they strap a camera um to the front of a person and using software that Google developed and a line painted on the ground, it tells the person who can't see whether they're to the right of the line or the left of the line. And the first guy who tried 
to use that in a demonstration mode was Thomas Panek, who's the, um, I think he's the executive director of Guiding Eyes for the Blind. And he's totally blind and he's an avid athlete and he runs with all sorts of different technology, but he took off like a shot with this thing and he was really happy, you know, so it's not ready to be a product yet, but it's something that's very promising. Okay. Well, uh, we're dwindling down in time, so I want to give Peter an opportunity to impart to a newly blind person some particular thought that you might want to share. Well, part of the point of our show, Eyes on Success, is that anything is possible. And over the years, we've had many shows that talk with people who have done things that you might consider to be impossible if you're visually impaired. And Right now, we have over 500 episodes in our searchable archive. If you use our search tool to search for things like navigation, hiking, knitting, blind, just put some of those terms in the search field and you'll find those shows. And maybe you'll get some encouragement and some motivation to figure out how to do something that you want to do. Other topics that we frequently cover are education, employment, extreme sports, anything you're interested in. And you can find all of that at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And from there, you can find links to the rest of our web presence. Okay. I just want to compliment you because um, your lives have been successful and they define you. But just a short comment on passion. Well, I mean, I think you could kind of hear that in both of our voices. We get really excited talking to people about the show. And one of the most gratifying things is being able to connect people with the information that they need. And just the other day, we were talking to somebody and he says, oh, my wife has this visual issue. And, you know, largely because of the show, we were knowledgeable about tools that she might be able to use to improve her situation. And she was ecstatic. Well, we've run out of time for this month's episode of Community Connections. I'm Sonia Yusach-Kuhn for the North Carolina Reading Service. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about Community Connections, aired on North Carolina Reading Service, about Eyes on Success, and about how to reach Sonia Usach-Kuhn or ourselves. Community Connections is available as a podcast at our website, ncreadingservice.org. If you have any comments, questions, or would like to be a sponsor of Community Connections, please call 919-832-5138. The number again, 919-832-5138. Thank you for listening to North Carolina Reading Service. And thank you. Thank you very much. And if you have questions or suggestions for us, you can send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or go to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. And of course, you can find all of that information in the show notes associated with this episode at our website. 
That's it for show number 2219. During this episode, Sonia asked and Peter told her about some of the generations of access tech that he has used over the years. Well, next week, we are bringing back an encore presentation of a show from about a year and a half ago in which Peter, as a user, and David Bradburn, as a salesperson for decades in the field, reminisce about the evolution of access technology since the very early days. And if you want to bring back memories of the old days, that's a great interview to listen to. See you next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.